Hello, and welcome to Mega City Book Club. I'm Eamon Clark. I'm at Thought Bubble, and I am with Michael Crowder. Michael, welcome back to the book club. Thank you very much. Pleased to be here. From episode 213, Leviathan, a fairly quick return because we worked out we're both going to be at Thought Bubble, and Leviathan was one of those ones where I'd put out a bit of a challenge to somebody to because you know I wanted to talk about it. But this time you've got to choose your own uh, book that you're interested in. Tell us, what have you chosen for your return to the book club? Yeah, well, uh, I've heard you talking about the desire to cover all British comics and so gone back to to my first entry into comics, which was the UK Transformers comics from primarily the 80s, I think ran maybe into, uh, into the 90s. Excellent stuff. So Transformers from... This is the stuff that ran in Marvel UK, isn't it? That's right, yeah. so started uh, in um, nine. Well, for me, it was nineteen eighty-five. I think the the comic started a few years before that, um, and really it, it, peaking. I think I feel like with when the Transformers film came out, nineteen eighty-six, and those sort of years around that. And I remember from our last episode that this was indeed your introduction to comics, wasn't it, Transformers? Yeah, bef- before two thousand AD, this is this is what I was reading for for a good few years. Right. Okay. And there are a few 2000 AD people involved, which we'll mention as we go along. The the complicated history of Transformers, the toy, the cartoon series or animated series, and then the comics. It it's is that the right order, sort of? Yeah, and I think I mean just the toys themselves are complicated enough, which right. obviously you never appreciated when when you were a child. But it's it really it's it's multiple toy lines that. Um, that came over to the US and were created into one theoretically coherent storyline. Um, and then the comics originally in the in the US were a marketing tool, as was often the case, for, for the toys and an initial short run um, uh, by Bob, Bob uh, I always butcher his surname, Bedansky, um, who he was hired to both write the backstories for the toys, so the little blurbs that would be on the back of the boxes, and then write the original run of the US comics and then stayed with the US comics for, for a number of years. The UK comics followed, uh, and that then, and as you say, you get into complicated uh, continuity between a cartoon running that pays very little attention to uh, the, the comics, and then with the UK comics running in parallel with the, the US a level of, of um, separation between them uh, where they'd try and follow things, but they clearly weren't working together. So, yeah, it wasn't the easiest job um, right. for the U- UK guys. Now, an, a number of the Marvel UK Transformers were collected in Titan collections, which is what we've both got balanced on our knee today. Um, we sort of picked the middle one of these three to focus on as our sort of, like our, our sort of target book which is, that's the Fallen Angel volume, is that right? Yeah, so that's uh, Fallen Angel, uh, all written by Simon Furman and with art by uh, Jeff Senior, uh, Jeff Anderson, uh, Will Simpson and Dan Reed. Uh, I noticed letters by Richard Starkins, who's here at Thought Bubble. Yeah. Uh, there are Jeff Senior, I think, colours his own. There's also Tim Perkins and Gina Hart colours. I've got a Titan collection from 2002. We've also got some other Titan books uh, in front of us as well. Um, I'll, I'll probably ask you later on because there are now there are I think IDW collections as well, aren't there? Yeah, because I mean the, this, the, this these books have been reprinted multiple times, and some of them are easier to get than others. The IDW is I think actually quite difficult to get at the moment, or cost oh, right. quite a bit. Um, but 
is, is bulkier and you tend to get multiples of, the, of what we've got together all, all in one collection along with the other UK stories that came before and after this from the sort of that sort of golden period of Simon Furman up to the point where it went black and white where I think generally that stuff doesn't get reprinted so much and Simon Furman is like he writes all of this and he had an incredibly complicated job in a way because you've mentioned he's got to balance a bunch of continuities and and fill in some gaps without majorly affecting something for the US, I guess. Yeah, um, particularly challenging when suddenly something happens in the US comics that that, that seems like that, that the UK guys didn't know about. So the biggest one I, I'd say there being that the US comics suddenly killed off Optimus Prime and Megatron. So like right. the, the two most uh, important characters were suddenly gone and then that has to be somehow reflected uh, in the UK comics. And often... They'd, be, they'd have to find uh, clever ways around that. So certain stories would have were reprinted from the uh, US, but with a page in front of to explain something away, or or say actually in one case, and this was just a dream sort of happened at the right. end of, of a US story to try and like, tie it into the UK continuity. But with the books we've got here, this this for me is where they found the way through that, which was with the movie coming along, um, which was set in the future. Albeit obviously now is the past. Um, so Simon Furman's focusing on the movie characters and then uh, characters from the, the, that future where they weren't being touched in the um, US comics, so they couldn't really be messed up and, and, and less on the sort of classic original line that was still heavily focused in the US and more on Galvatron and Ultra Magnus and, and, and those characters that, that they could sort of safely play with. Right. The animated movie is 1986, I've got in my notes, and that was a, a, that was quite a big thing, and it's still thought of very highly, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, th- I think so. Right. By, by me it is, yeah. Right. I, 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 saw, I remember uh, seeing it in the cinema with my sister took me to see it, and, uh, yeah, I think it's still a, a, decent, uh, a decent watch. OK, so I'm going to ask you the tricky, complicated plot question now. Um, I mean, obviously, Transformers, we're dealing with giant transforming robots. I think we probably all know that. In these three volumes, just sort of very sort of briefly, because I know this is complicated, <laughs> tell us what's happening in these volumes. Yeah, so we've, as you said, we're focused on Fallen Angel, but we've brought uh, Target 2006 as the first volume and then Fallen Angel and then Legacy of Unicron. So Target 2006 is, is to an extent parallel to the film and uh, Galvatron comes back to uh, 1986 and effectively tries to build a, a giant uh, weapon to destroy that will be ready to destroy Unicron in the future, um, so, so that he can be free from Unicron. And that that plan fails, and and then he ends up back in film continuity. So that very much is a is a tie in with the film. Fallen Angel is very much the sequel, um, and hunting for Galvatron and uh, across so across time really um, with multiple layers of, of Autobots in different time uh, frames trying to trying to rid the world of, of Galvatron again post film, and then Legacy of Unicron brings Unicron back from the end of the film where he was destroyed in, and, and his head is floating in space and his head conveniently lands on a planet where he can start to be rebuilt and he tries to take back control and cause a war between the Autobots and the Decepticons um, and then, again, our collection of heroes have to thwart him. So it is really... The, this this section is all tied in, in and after the film. Right. And Simon Furman, if I'm right, he goes on... I mean, he's so good at writing Transformers that he then goes on at some point to get the US gig as well, doesn't he? Yeah, so there's a period of time where he's writing both, at which point, obviously, the continuity 
problems go away because because it's all all in uh, in his hands and then focuses on the us uh, as the uk comic dies away then the marvel comic dies he comes back and does comics with dreamweave for a while and then again with idw it was simon Furman that brought them back i'm not sure what he where how, how he fits in now he certainly did the first few years of the idw run and then he actually came back and did a effectively a, the end that he always wanted to do to the marvel run with idw to sort of complete the the original cycle of transformers right and if we talk a little bit about the marvel uk issues because you've hinted you've said this already the marvel uk has got the problem that british comics are weekly whereas american comics come out monthly so they they are reprinting american material i presume but they're also got to do their own stories to fill in those weekly gaps yeah so originally the, the comics there to reprint the american material um but once I, I think it was started fortnightly and then moved weekly quite quickly and the moment it moves weekly that becomes a problem so what you'd have is an american issue over two episodes of two weekly episodes of the of the british comic and then that would be interspersed with the British stories. And there'd be, obviously, as a child, there was no clear uh, distinction. But I did know, I did notice the difference, in, particularly in the, in the art. I was aware that sometimes it felt like one thing and sometimes the other thing. And certainly right. my preference was for the UK stories, which tended to be bigger and bulkier and cleaner and less focused on um, here's the new toy. Uh, often uh, the US issues were there'd be an issue focused on the introduction of a couple of new toys and they'd cause some trouble and then something would you know be, be resolved. Um, whereas the UK comic seems to have, occasionally it has to do that, but mostly it's trying to actually tell stories. Right. I'm, I, I'm slightly more familiar sort of 10 years earlier with a similar problem for Marvel UK that in the 70s, another licensed property, they were reprinting Planet of the Apes comics and they had exactly the same problem. In America, Planet of the Apes monthly, in Britain it's weekly, they soon ran out of story and then they started doing weird reprints of Kilt Raven and stuff like this to fill in the gaps, as it were. Okay, um, it is a licensed property, obviously, and you got the comic. And a, a bit like when I talked to Dan about Sonic the comic, Transformers in Marvel UK enormously popular went down extremely well didn't it yeah it was it was hugely successful I mean, it was selling 200,000 copies a week at its height 200,000 I mean yeah I mean yeah in, in the later you know in the mid to late 80s I guess but yeah. yeah I mean it's it's it was it was a phenomenal success um and and so you know they really maximized on that and that's why they needed to keep it weekly that's why they needed to keep fueling it but you know i mean look, i don't i don't think i guess it's possible to know but certainly for me as a reader it was those british stories that were driving that success it was very rare that you'd be that the american stories never felt consequential and right. in fact you know i've read most of them now and they, they only start feeling consequential when simon Furman takes over they they just felt like a comic with some stuff in it yeah whereas the british stories much like you get in 2000 ad where characters and this sounds ridiculous when you're talking about robots but characters would build and grow mm. and go on you know go on journeys and 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 the stories would develop into other stories and and yeah and, and that was for me anyway that was what kept me coming back even when probably i was starting to get to the point where i was a bit a bit old for it and looking to move on but actually i didn't want to say goodbye to those characters that i've been with for so many years and we see this quite often when we talk about British comics on this podcast. This idea, you've got a licensed property, 
you've got a weekly comic, you've got to fill the pages. I forgot to count, because the episode pages, they're quite... There's several pages, aren't there? And it's like, it's not just the usual four or five. They go on for, what, eight, ten pages? So it's eleven. So, yeah, I've got, I've got a, a, an individual issue here in front of me. So it's eleven pages for the main, uh, for the main story within it. And then there's a backup story. And the, I mean, I never had any real interest in the backup stories, which tended to be something that Marvel were putting out that had robots had in it. Had a robot uh, in it, yeah. yeah. So the backup story of sort of five pages, so I, uh, which was definitely US reprint um, pretty much all the time. So I guess that was probably a single US reprint episode over right. multiple, multiple. Uh, yeah, but they never had any interest in. Uh, and then there'd, there'd be a, uh, a Lou Stringer comedy strip uh, a letters page which was uh, either originally I think it was Soundwave that would answer the letters and then it was Grimlock and I think other people after that so always in in character letters page very British comics based but yeah 11 pages of proper new material uh, a week it's a lot isn't it and the the question I was going to make or the point I was going to make was that it's fascinating that particularly the British creators we talk about in this case Simon Furman who don't just take this as, oh, I've just got to churn out 11 pages a week of licensed material, but actually they elevate it. They make it something better. They make art out of it. And this is what Simon Furman seems to have done with Transformers. He just really picked it up and produced great stuff, didn't he? It is similar in that way to, to you know your conversation about Sonic the comic and that it doesn't need to be this good. You know? yes. okay, would it sell 200,000 copies if it wasn't that good? I don't know. But at the time, Transformers was massive. It would have been a success during the height of the, the, the toy craze regardless. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't need to be that good. But, it, but yes, and, and obviously the art is a major part of it, but yes, it's the, the stories that Simon Furman's putting down are, are what makes it work. Yeah, and as you say, this fascinating idea that these giant transforming robots, actually you get to like the characters and understand the characters, and he introduces supporting casts that are also great fun as well. Yeah, and, and human characters that, that, that interact, and, and again, that, that, you, 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 that matter to you, that you grow to, you grow to love. But it does, you know, when you're talking about it, it seems ridiculous to care about these silly toys. But, but yeah, it, it, it worked. It certainly worked for a number of years. Yeah, somehow or other he elevates it. Um, you mentioned the artworks. Let's turn to artwork for these. Um, Jeff Senior is the name that sort of stands out from this period of Transformers, isn't he? Yeah, and he followed Simon Furman in, uh, along the way into, into some of those US comics as well, and, and they had a real strong uh, collaboration that, that carried on for many years. And certainly, it, looking at look, rereading them now, that, that, that's the one, you know, Jeff Senior's the one that stands out to me the most. The, the, the vibrancy of the, of the art, the, the dynamism, the, uh, the, the violence that's within it um, is, is, is really strong. I think at the time, Jeff Anderson was, was probably my favourite. Right. It's a bit cleaner, a bit light, lighter in terms of colour tone, um, really clear storytelling. Um, and I, I think I, now, and now looking back, I love, you know, I love the Jeff Anderson work. He seems particularly focused on the, um, the human characters. But it's, yeah, it's Jeff Senior's stuff that really pops for me. Um, and again, does it need to be that good? Probably not, but it, God, it's amazing. And it's so many pages a week. Yeah, and I think if, if there's one thing when you're rereading that, that maybe does impact the quality of it as a graphic novel, because it's so many pages a week, the art changes almost consistent. So it's right. very rare that you'll have two episodes with the same artist. So where you've got an, an eight-part story you might get Jeff Senior twice, once at the start, once towards the end. Uh, it's, it's, there's a lot of rotation, which is understandable given how much art's producing, but 
if it had been one one artist all the way through, I think it would have been a more coherent whole. Right. Um, there's a couple of other names uh, that stand out, 2018 names particularly. Obviously, we mentioned Will Simpson is in here as well, isn't he? Yeah, some uh, early work by Will Simpson. It does, you know, looking back at it now, it doesn't look like he's maybe as engaged with it as, as I'm used to on some of his, you know, amazing 2018 work. Mm. Um, or maybe that's just where he was at in his career. Um Dan Reed's an interesting artist who I don't think has ever done any 2000 AD work. I don't actually know much about him, but right. uh, he he carried on doing a lot of, of Transformers work again, and he was well known for uh, wobbly, wobbly Transformers. His Transformers do not have very many straight lines in them, um, which, while it can seem a bit ridiculous when they're robots, if you're thinking about it, logically, actually, again, allows him to to give it real sort of dynamic... Uh, like violence again, particularly oh, yeah. a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, as the Transformers comic progressed, you got more and more uh, what would be incredibly graphic violence. Were they human characters or or, or non-robot characters? Anyway, we even have a, a, a single episode, which I think is the only episode I'm aware of, where Ron Smith uh, introduces the Wreckers right. uh, in Target 2006, and the Wreckers would would again uh, a mix of toy characters and Simon Furman creations that would carry on for a, a number of years in Transformers and that's a, a, a nice a little Ron Smith interlude that, that comes in the middle of Target 2006 uh, Ron Smith of course one of the absolute legends of 2000 AD um, and it was a delight to turn the pages and go hang on a minute I recognise that, that's Ron Smith art and those are clearly Ron Smith faces um, and yes as you say introducing new characters uh, I have a slight preference for black and white Ron Smith rather than colours, but even so, it's glorious stuff. Uh, and you mentioned, of course, giant robots blowing each other up and wrecking things. It is a, there is quite a lot of um, exactly what you want in a way, giant robots hitting each other, isn't there? Yeah, I think there, there is a surprising amount of actual story and, and, and giant robots talking to each other, yeah. uh, 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 and not just fighting all the time, but when the... When the big fights come, they really land, particularly in these books, the fights between Ultra Magnus and Galvatron, who uh, certainly there, were, there was a Christmas where that was my, you know, they were my big presents uh, uh, right. to, get, to get the Ultra Magnus and, and Galvatron, who were the big new leaders around the, the, the movie. And there's a few, between the two books, there's a few episodes which are mostly Jeff Senior, uh, massive fights between those two um, that, that accumulate actually... With a with a Jeff Anderson story, which was which is the very end of uh, Fallen Angel, which was actually uh, an annual story, and where they finished the, the the full story arc was finished within the Transformers annual that year, which as a fan I absolutely loved. So that's the that's the vicious circle story at the end of uh, Fallen Angel, but apparently was hugely controversial. Lots of people hated it because they were made to buy the much more expensive annual to, to, oh, uh, to get the right. end of the story but oh, okay. I was going to buy it anyway so I was <laughs> I, I was overjoyed to get less reprint and more you know story that matters in, right. in my annual uh, always that slight problem when you make uh, your readers buy an extra volume just to finish a story yeah okay obviously people have we've had that with 2008 and the Meg you know yeah the, story the, cr- the crossovers yeah yeah Okay, um, just one other artist I'll mention in the third volume. I think we see some early work by a guy who would go on to be a superstar, Brian Hitch. 
Yeah, um, turns up in Legacy of Unicron, I think, doesn't he? Yeah, and he's doing he's doing great work straight away. Um, you know, I think I think he, he lands really well and he fits into the the Jeff Sen- Senior mold really quickly. Um, yeah, he's uh, as you say a superstar these days. But um, yeah, very early early work. Uh, I'm just looking at his pages now, which are just wonderful. And um, in his sort of earlier stuff, I, can't, I quite see a sort of Kirby, Jack Kirby influence um, on some of his giant sort of screaming robot heads, um, which is interesting stuff. So at the time, you say Jeff Anderson was like your favourite when he turned up on an issue. But looking back on it, Jeff Senior possibly the one most associated with Transformers in this era. Yeah, and and and, and the one that, that, that pops me the most these days. Yeah, I think there's just... Uh, it just gets it all right um, for, for me in terms of uh, the storytelling and uh, the, the right level of... It's a very challenging thing to make them, the Transformers, look like the Transformers, but also actually be usable models in a, in a story as well. And actually, I think there's a, it's worth looking at, if you look at the, the start of Target 2006, uh, the end of the first episode is the arrival of, of Galvatron and Cyclonus and Scourge in, uh, in 1986. It's Jeff Anderson art. And the the page is very clearly that's what the toys look like, right? Right. That that is it. That Galvatron. Let's focus on Galvatron. That's exactly what the Galvatron toy looks like. You you turn over to the next pages, um, and actually, it's still Jeff Anderson in this case. He's he's changed the designs to be usable, right? And and now this is what these characters will look like in the comics from now on. They don't, they they still resemble the toys, but they're actually more realistic figures that can be used in multiple stories moving onwards, unless. Big, bulky, clean—you know—toy lines uh, like like you've got at the start. Right. Yeah, you can see that last page would be almost like box artwork in a way, wouldn't it? And it's a very dramatic page because we love a page in the rain with lightning in the background. Yeah, and you can tell it's important because the uh, the artist of the script and the art uh, it comes on the last page of that comic right. rather than the start, so that you know they were they were they were very keen on that that image at the, at the, and there's a lot of lightning there isn't there behind them time travel brings rain and lightning there doesn't it yeah amazing um, that's right yes you can't have time travel without lightning effects uh, I noticed editor Ian Rimmer who I think was editor on on the title during this period for most of it wasn't he yeah I think eventually Simon Furman will take over as editor but as yes well. I think okay. for this period it's, it's Ian Rimmer yeah right and the other thing I'll quickly mention about these books that I found very helpful was that the the Titan collections we've been looking at they have a um, they all have an introductory session section where they sort of introduce concepts from the movie concepts about Marvel UK being weekly um, fill you in on some of the backstory which I, th- I found as a sort of newbie to Transformers I found those incredibly helpful obviously yeah it, it almost felt a little bit ahead of its time I mean it's not that these, these books aren't that old they're early 2000s but it's the sort of background material that you, you get in the part works these days that yes. is, yeah it is incredibly helpful and, and as a for me coming back to these uh, these stories you know so many years after I read them as a kid it is interesting to see some of what's going on behind the scenes and actually understand it a bit more where it's obviously just taking it all at face value yeah um, the challenges of running a comic like this as we talked about with constantly being forced to you have to create a story around these new toys that are coming out um, and you know and also I, well, I'm, I'm also interested in you get an awful lot of recapping in in these stories and they Simon Firm manages to do it in a really good way in that you don't feel it as you're reading it quite as much as you as, you, as you'd think but almost every issue 
is giving you a bit of a recap. Um, and it's in, I'd be interested to know if that's was that you know is that was that what everything was like in those days? There was, you definitely got some of it in two thousand AD, or was that you know mandated? I don't know, but there's right. a lot of reminders of what's going on and it seems a, a sort of weekly challenge for Simon Furman to do so in a way that isn't boring and repetitive yeah I, I mean you know it's a it's a distinct art is to assume each issue could be somebody's first issue bring them on board advance the story carry on and then deal with one of the most complicated continuities that we've probably come across on this podcast. I mean, obviously, if we switch to American comics, complicated continuities become rampant. But for Transformers, it was it was a, a tricky juggling act for Simon Furman. Yeah. He accomplishes extraordinarily well. Huge, hugely to his credit that he, he, he got such strong stories out of it, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you about the artwork and Grail pages again, but we talked about introducing new characters, and we have to mention another character who has got a slightly complicated first appearance because of, I think, trying to work out the rights issues. But there's a character that appears in these volumes that becomes a sort of breakout success. Yeah, so so Death's Head appears, as you say, it's not quite true to, to say, appears for the first time in the story Target 2006 and then follows through all of these books that we're reading as part of this sort of back, uh, battle between uh, across Cybertron and Earth and multiple time zones uh, as a time-travelling robot bounty hunter who's significantly not a Transformer but is in this world uh, and it also doesn't like to be called bounty hunter I think it's fair to say so don't call him him a bounty hunter that that can go very badly for you and is an immediately hugely fun addition to the cast and again is a way for Simon Furman to bring something that he can control into these stories um, that can't be messed about with uh, American continuity or, or cartoons. But yes, there is, there is a, I believe, a single-page Death's Head story that was uh, published, I think was in, in a Transformers comic, mm. but not as a Transformer uh, story to make it really clear that from a licensing point of view, Death's Head is not a Transformer and does not belong to Transformers so that it, he could be dealt with in a separate way. And if my timings work out two weeks after this episode, I have actually got... I will be doing an episode about Death's Head in comics by himself. Um, So we're not going to talk too much about it, but just to say that he first appears sort of here. He is enormously fun straight away, and you can see why he was a sort of breakout character who would go on to have his own series, basically, can't you? Uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, and I, you know, I remember loving the character as a child, and every time he turned up, you know, it, you're being really pleased because you know it's going to, well, things are going to kick off, but also it's going to be really entertaining all the way through. His, yeah. his, uh, his narrative, his verbal uh, narrative, is just 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 consistently amusing. And Simon Furman creates him with Jeff Senior, I think, originally. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Jeff Senior does the bulk of the Death's Head, the key Death Head stories in across these uh, across these books. Right. Uh, so, like I say, stay tuned because hopefully in two weeks' time we'll be talking more about Death's Head um, with a new new member of the book club coming up, um, which will make a nice sort of companion piece to this Transformers episode. Um, let's go back to the many examples of stunning artwork, which, as you said yourself, in a way it's surprising because it doesn't have to be this good, but it is. Both Simon Furman and then the artist elevate this material. You've chosen a couple of grail pages from these three volumes. Um, what are you going to pick 
Michael. So really hard not to just be on Jeff Senior. So right. I've tried to 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 to, uh, to to have a little bit of variety. So first, this isn't a growl page because I don't think it's fair for it to count. But I just want to draw attention to in the pre uh, the the, the um, background material of Target two thousand and six. There is an image from what I loved uh, the, the cover of uh, Transformers issue fifty, which is actually an early John Higgins. Uh, of two Dinobots fighting right. in the snow, which I did just—it's not a growl page because it's not really from these stories, but I do want to draw attention to it because uh, that was a fantastic cover at the time. But in terms of my growl pages, it's—it's uh, it's hard to—it's hard to avoid Jeff Senior. So I've got two uh, two Jeff Seniors from the same uh, issue, which is issue eighty-six, um, which is Target two thousand and six, part eight. The first being the second page of part eight, which yep. is. Uh, Galvatron on top of Ultra Magnus as the, as as they're fighting, sort of ripping through his uh, windsheet uh, windscreen um, and telling him he's going to tear his head off. I'll tear off your head and rip the power core from the twitching husk of your corpse, which is fantastic dialogue. Uh, and then from the uh, the end of that same uh, episode, at the that that episode is just them fighting, which is uh, Galvatron again appearing through the flames, like pulling the. Uh, lifeless body of Ultra Magnus and dropping him to the ground as he's he's won the fight which obviously as a as a child is not not what you're expecting for for the baddie to win the the big fight I just yeah I did to be honest that that episode is probably my favorite that that massive fight um which also does include Ultra Magnus musing on what's going on in classic fashion as we were discussing earlier reminding you everything that's happened in, in thought bubbles uh, which is you know we're at thought bubble today there we go while Galvatron's on the floor where really you should be he should be making sure he finishes him off and lets Galvatron come back at him so that's part 8 of Target 2006 by Simon Furman and Jeff Senior you've got the first page and the last page basically yeah and they, that was in issue so that is issue 86 of the comic from the 8th of November 1986 what a time right um, <laughs> what a time to be reading Transformers <laughs> absolutely uh, and then my final grail page uh, would be the, the Brian Hitch uh, the, the head of Unicron being rebuilt on the planet of junk on part 6 of the legacy of Unicron um, blasting uh, lasers out of his eyes uh, which, which uh, he's firing at an Autobot ship that's, that's trying to get him saying curse you Rodimus Prime die that, that's wonderful and that was one of the ones I thought I picked out as being like Jack Kirby influenced as well Brian Hitch uh, another opening title page um, I dare say we probably couldn't afford any Brian Hitch artwork I should imagine <laughs> you'll find a way and I'll take it <laughs> <laughs> so virtually it becomes yours but yeah that is wonderful that page and I, ever I will post all these images so you've got a couple of Jeff Seniors You've got a Brian Hitch page. You've also going to we're going to post the image of the John Higgins cover with the Dinobots fighting because you know Dinobots fighting. Why wouldn't you? And John Higgins. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, strangely, down on the Thought Bubble floor, I was talking to Steve White, who does wonderful dinosaur art. Um, he's got some beautiful art. But anyway, that's slightly off the point. Um, so those are grail pages. Wonderful stuff. Um, Presumably, this art, some of this original art survives. People must own this sort of stuff. Um, do you, I haven't checked whether you know it ever turns up at all. 
No, I've I've um I've never seen it at cons, but yeah, I, I've not I've not hunted for it. Uh, as you say, I can't necessarily wouldn't necessarily be able to afford it. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure I've ever I've ever seen any originals. I've often seen some of the artists selling new you know new images at, at cons of that they've done of Transformers. Um, but yeah, I don't know what's happened to all the original art. I'm going to surprise myself slightly by not having Ron Smith just because it's coloured. But I might actually take that. Um Jeff Anderson Page we talked about in Target 2006 um, uh, the splash page of them in the rain with the lightning uh, Galvatron next issue Apocalypse Then Now um, that's lovely so I might post, I will post that one as well just to have uh, some Jeff Anderson in there as well so a couple of Jeff Seniors some John Higgins some Brian Hitch some Jeff Anderson wonderful artwork you mentioned obviously on the convention floor you sometimes see prints and artists doing transformers any of them have you come across any of them at uh, conventions any of these artists because i don't think i've met any of these no i've never met um any of any of this bunch um so i have met andrew wildman at at last year's thought bubble i think it was and um and he I don't remember that he was doing anything Transformer related, but I had a conversation with him. He 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 was he did I think some of the later UK Transformers, and then followed over to the US with Simon Furman. Did a lot of the US Transformers, and when Simon Furman came back and finished that US story, Andrew Wildman was was a major part of that as well. Um, so he was a, he was a major part of later Transformers after I start after I was reading it as a child. So. I've certainly spoken to him about it and he, you know, enjoy, he, he had fond memories of enjoying his time on it. Excellent stuff. And is the, I mean, here we are at Thought Bubble. Um, we've just come away from the convention to record this in my hotel room for an hour. Um, quite crowded in there. It was almost more difficult to get out than it was to get in. <laughs> Big crowds. Any sort of Transformers people that, you know, or stuff that you've been looking for today? Uh, I've been more 2008 focused oh, today, right. certainly so far. Um, I'm, I'm here for the afternoon with, with my daughter, so I'll go back and, uh, and see what's there. We've only, I've only really just arrived, as you say. It took quite a long time to get in. Uh, so, um, yeah, but I've, I was only in for half an hour before we met up and, and have recorded this. And... Well, we'll let you get back down to it and find some more 2008 stuff. 2008 have got stall. They've got some freebies with the advertising, the new Apex editions that are coming out. Obviously, the, the art of Steve Dillon one, I think, uh, is a big sort of draw that's coming up. Um, they're also selling their graphic novels. I think they're at half price for some reason. But anyway. There's a sale. They've got an online sale at the moment, so uh, maybe they're reflecting that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. So these Titan editions, uh, they're out of print, but they were quite cheap for me to get hold of them on eBay. They're not ones at the moment that are difficult to find. No, I think the IDWs for some reason have cost cost a, a lot more. Maybe the, um, the the different packaging of it in terms of having a bigger book with more stories in it is is driving that. But yeah, the, I got these a a good few years ago through, through eBay. Everything I've got through eBay, I still have a, a few of the original Transformer comics, but that's often the way that you get rid of them when you've grown out of them, and then you get a bit older and you're like oh why 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 didn't why didn't i keep boxes and boxes of comics for the whole of my life right um but yeah um they're the the titan ones they're, they're they're great books they're i like the size of them you know they're they're the uk size rather yeah. than often sometimes the uk stories are uh re- reprinted in american size um and as you say the intros i think are, are really good so you know i'd certainly recommend these books and the the books that that follow uh the particularly i think the one i guess if we're 
that Time Wars would be the end, the full end of this arc, which, which we don't have here today. And probably the other standout one um, would be Dinobot Hunt, um, would be the other one I'd, I'd call out as having the, some of the, the, the better stories. Right. So, uh, Transformers Fallen Angel, Target uh, 2006 and Legacy of Unicron, they're available. You can find them, I say, fairly cheaply on eBay. Um, by the early 2000s, Titan had obviously sorted out their binding issues, so the pages all stay in. Uh, they are nice, as you say, they're nice, large format, UK-style um, Titan volumes, which is lovely. Um, and they've got some supporting information in there, particularly all the extra information about the series, but also bios of the various um, you know creators involved, which is always nice to see, some covers reproduced and so on. So they're quite nice and quite easy to find, thank goodness. The IDW ones, because the IDW have done some Simon Furman collections, which I think, I should have checked, but I think they were available digitally, but not in hard copy, perhaps. Yeah, I've certainly got all of the more recent stuff in, in digital rather than in... Uh, I've, I've not looked to buy the, the, the hard copies. Um, but yeah, the, there's a number of different variants, I think, that have been... Uh, produced by IDW of different collections of different versions of all the same stories o- over time um, so th- they're all out there in, in one way or another right excellent stuff so that is Transformers in Marvel UK um, the exceptional work particularly of Simon Furman but all these great artists he's got with him um, I think my take home message is as you've said it doesn't need to be as good as it actually is it was amazing really isn't it um, it's a bit like the Sonic you get these great creators and they just elevate what you would think would just be a toy tie-in. Yeah, I guess they care, right? Yeah, That's ultimately exactly. what it comes down to, right? They, yeah. they find a way in and they want to produce good work because this is what they want to do. Yeah. Anything else from your notes that you wanted to mention about Transformers? So just just briefly on the, the, the death of the comic, as it were. So, uh, oh, yes. This, so yeah. ni- 1991 was when it, it ended, so it lasted seven years, 332 issues. During that time, as is often the way, it merged with the UK Action Force comic. But for the last two years of its life, then it, it was really cut back. So the, the UK material became black and white. There was There was less of it as they were cutting costs, and therefore, and you get in that spiral that you often see of then therefore it's not as good so then people aren't reading it so much and therefore it needs to be cheaper so it became fortnightly for, for the end of its run so it's a it's a little bit of a sad run but it, at least it was still was producing that that um some uk stories as well and and for that last part of it it was also reprinting the simon Furman us comic so while it was reprint if you weren't of buying that separately you were still getting some great storytelling actually more akin to what you'd have had in the right. in the mid to late 80s but you know seven years 300 odd issues is not a bad run for a, a toy tie-in right that was planned for four issues as well and these three volumes we've been looking at this is like sort of peak marvel uk transformers yeah yeah, yeah for me it's the, 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 that late that 86 87 88 that, that's a sort of peak period it's interesting to study the sort of end of a comic, as you say, the matching and then dispatching that we're all familiar with. But it's also quite sad when you think about it. You know, as you say, it starts to spiral, things get worse, and then yeah, yeah, interesting. Like I say, next time we'll be talking about Death's Head, so that's interesting because he's obviously a breakout character here. Yeah. Uh, great stuff, Michael. Thank you very much for bringing it up. I can tick another UK comic series off the list. Uh, having set myself this impossible challenge to cover all British comics at some point. So we're back down to Thought Bubble. We're going to go down and meet some more 2008 creators. We probably should shout out that John Wagner is here and he has got copies of the Bogeyman collection. 
and um, you've picked yours up today. I have. Uh, I've, I've bought that from him today uh, and, and used the excuse to tell him how much I appreciate everything he's done over the most of my life and all those amazing stories uh, that he's, uh, he's uh, given us. I did ask him if there was to be any more Rock of the Reds um, and at the moment it, se- it seems not, unfortunately. I think it's, uh, he's, he said he's, just, he's got to try and find a way to make it work without it being a, a tremendous amount of effort, it sounds like, the, right. uh, the Kickstarter side of things. Yeah. He didn't realise that he's, he was he's saying he's basically spent a month posting everything out to people and yeah, so uh, hopefully he finds a way to make that work because that's been a, a highlight of the last few years. The fulfilment of, of Kickstarters is a problem, and yes, the Rock the God Kickstarter, I think. Well, John's quite open about the fact that he lost money on that in the end, um, which is a shame because it was such great fun. Uh, but the Bogeyman has gone to a second printing and will be available to buy online, I understand. Or if you happen to meet John at a convention, he'll have copies and T-shirts, as he's got today. And, yeah, you've done absolutely the right thing because you've, you've done that thing that we should all do, which is when you meet these great creators, is to thank them for, you know the amount of entertainment they provide for us yeah and, I, and I'm often surprised by how much it actually does mean to them you sort of yeah. feel like this must happen all the time um, but particularly I think creators from from uh, earlier times and from, from the 80s uh, where perhaps this, there was less fan culture and certainly it was it was it was not known to them where I've, I've met a few creators where it's you know they've, they've really been genuinely grateful just for somebody saying you made something that I that I loved, right? Yeah. And and so yeah, I, I do think it's important to take those opportunities, even if even if you're not buying something off someone at a convention, just to go up and say thanks. Yeah, yeah, no, it's very important. Uh, we should all be doing it, especially as they all start to uh, to age, like the rest of us. <laughs> Great stuff. Thank you very much, Michael. Thanks. Now let's go back to Thought Bubble and find out what else is happening today. Yep, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for giving up your time. Thank you to everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. As ever, all the links at megacitybookclub.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Mastodon, Blue Sky, Threads, probably Galvatron and Unicron as well. <laughs> Any other social networks that have popped up by the time this episode comes out. And email me, mcbcpodcast at gmail.com. If you've got a British comic that I haven't covered yet and that you'd like to come on and talk about particularly, help me tick off the list. Uh, So until next time, from here at Thought Bubble in Harrogate, um, next time we'll be talking about another great book, brackets, Death's Head. Uh, It's goodbye from me and... Goodbye from me.